So, uh, but mine at home are down. All right. Well, next week we'll begin a new sermon series. Jerry will be back up here talking about the kingdom of God, and he'll be explaining that more next week. We're excited about that. But today we are going to be ordaining uh, and installing elders and deacons, our officers of the church. So we're going to be talking about being ambassadors for Christ in our world, wherever we go. So in order to talk about that, uh, let's look at today's scripture, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. Let's read that. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. <clears throat> from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. Lord, on this day, we thank you again for your word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you on this day, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love sports. Uh, I, I have talked about I played sports growing up. My dad was a high school coach. I love sports. Uh, my favorite team right now is the Covenant Christian High School basketball team, where my sons Luke and Graham play basketball. I was at Jerry said, where were you during the announcements when the Colts won last night? I was at their, my boys' game, so I'm excited about that. And I really like them to win. Hey, if you're going to play sports and they keep score, you'll want to win. And, and they didn't win last night. But I hope they learn through sports. And what I've learned as I've gotten older, to be good teammates, uh, to have good sportsmanship, uh, to be on time when they're supposed to be there, and to work hard. They're good things. I love the Colts. I didn't get to see them win. I saw the first part of the game last night. Uh, uh, but it's exciting. It's exciting for our city when the Colts are doing well. Uh, now, when there's a game, an NFL game, and it goes into overtime, sometimes they say it's sudden death. And, and I know for fans, uh, 
Now, if you're watching on TV when they pan the crowd and you see people painted and dressed up like some of you were maybe yesterday, maybe at your homes, it feels like it's life and death. You know, when a game goes into overtime, it's sudden death if one team loses. And yet, even as a big fan, and I'm a big fan, I realize that sports are not life and death. And it's a good reminder, even thinking about it last night, coming into this morning, what is important in life and what, what really comes about life and death is our relationship with God, our passion for God, our life with God. So today, do, do we want just a little bit of God or do we want a lot of God? Do we want it to be the thing that really matters to us because God really matters. One of my heroes I mentioned before is Billy Graham. I have a new devotional, a Billy Graham devotional, and I read on Friday, January 4th, this in the devotional. This is what Billy Graham, one of his quotes, says, if Christianity is important at all, then it is all important. If it is anything at all, then it is everything. It is either the most vital thing in your life or it isn't worth bothering with. When we make a commitment to Christ, we're supposed to be all in. Uh, as it says in Joshua in the Old Testament, choose life. Choose life with Christ. And I'm older now, but I've been a follower of Christ since I was about age eight when I made a first-time commitment at a Bible study when I raised my hand and said I wanted to follow Jesus. But I will tell you, I'll be transparent, I still struggle sometimes. I've made that commitment. I know I'm all in with Jesus. And yet day to day, Week to week, there are some days when I just don't feel all in. And so being a Christian, being all in with him, being an ambassador for Christ is a daily decision to follow him, to be all in. Well, how do we do this? Well, I think Paul is a great example, who's the, obviously the writer of 2 Corinthians. Paul was all in. We know by his writings he was all in. And, and some probably thought he was crazy. Uh, crazy for Jesus. So, so remember, Paul was going to places like Corinth where they, for many of them, they had not heard of Jesus, but they worshiped Greek gods. And Paul was saying, listen, I know that there is one God who is the one true God whose son rose from the dead and is now alive and, and we are going to worship him. And when, if you would hear that for the first time or the people hear that for the first time, they're gonna think, this guy is crazy. And Paul really lived it. He was all in. He was beaten for his faith. He was arrested at times, even shipwrecked, and most likely died in Rome for his faith. He was all in. In 2 Corinthians 5.13, in today's passage, passage, he says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Another version says, instead of saying, for it is if we are beside ourselves, it says, if we are out of our minds, it is for God. Basically, Paul's saying, if I'm crazy, I'm crazy for Jesus. That's where I am. I'm all in. Another place he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if we want to look for an example, someone to teach us a little bit about what it looks like to be all in, we can look to Paul. Why would Paul be so crazy for Jesus? He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ urges us on. Another translation says, Christ's love compels us. I like that. Christ's love compels us. 
Christ's love compels us because we realize and we remember what God has done for us, that God loves us. Paul reminds us again and again that God loved us so much that he did send his son that appeared to the uh, Magi, that the Magi saw him and they brought those gifts to him. And that love for God back to him as he first loved us drives us. What does God's love compel us or urge us to do? Paul says it's to be different from the world, to take Jesus' message into the world as his ambassadors. As we talked about in Advent, and I love the themes we had in Advent of hope, joy, and peace, and love. We might add to that God's grace and mercy, and Paul adds his reconciliation. These are the kind of the things we can take as Christ ambassadors when God's love compels us to go to the world, to take his love, his grace, his joy, even his reconciliation to the world. Paul says in verses 16 and 17, therefore we we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. And he kind of makes a delineation between the world and what we are to be and what we're to live like as Christians. And he says, from a human point of view, what's the world look like? I think similar. And if you were here last Sunday, some of us were, some of us were traveling or whatever. Randall Gilmore was preaching and he said, our culture wants oftentimes to dismiss or diminish Jesus, to push Jesus out of the public square, out of the public conversation. And yet Paul says, That's the human point of view, the world point of view. But in Christ, Jesus is supposed to make all the difference. If we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, we are actually new creations. It's it's not something cosmetic. It's not just a little bit of Jesus. Jesus is in us and makes us different. As I was doing a little bit of a study this week, I I stumbled upon this, which I thought was great. I wish I could claim this as my own. I thought about it, but I didn't because I didn't want to plagiarize. But someone said this, in Christ, we are not reformed, not rehabilitated, not re-educated. We are recreated. We are not turning over a new leaf. We are beginning a new life. I like that. It says, "When, when you believe that God's love is for you, you ask Jesus into your life. Each day, we can turn our hearts again towards him. Each day, we can say, God, I want to live for you today. I know it's going to be tough. Maybe I don't feel like it. I have hard things. I'm busy. Whatever's going on in my life. But today, I want to live for you again. You are not reformed, rehabilitated, reeducated. You are recreated. And in 2019, you're not turning over a new leaf. You are starting a new life with Jesus. Therefore, Paul says, and he gets to verses 19 and 20, we are to be Christ's ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so he says, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God means to make peace with God, to accept the gift of Jesus. He says, who knew no sin yet became sin to save us. That we're to accept that gift and then give all that we have, all that we are, back to God. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity um, talks about this. What does it look like 
to give everything to God, not just part of it, not just a little bit, maybe not just some days, but, but trying our best every day to give ourselves to God. And so C.S. Lewis um, quotes, or he doesn't quote, he speaks for Christ when he says this. He says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment you, your, tor- torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, this is coming from Christ. I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. C.S. Lewis says this can be hard, but it's easier than the alternative. He says the alternative is to go halfway, is to give half or part of ourselves to God and then hold on to some of it, which is our desire to do. And I know that I do sometimes in my life. And so he speaks to that as well. He says, We are hoping that when the demands of our religion have been met, we will still have the chance to get on with our lives. We are like an honest man who pays his taxes, but hopes there will be money left over him for him to spend as he wishes. So he's saying, it's like we want to we want to give our part to God. We want to pay what's due to God. Give, we're going to pay God our tax, and then we're still going to hold on to the the part that we have left to do with it what we want. He says, no. That's the alternative. And he goes, that's going to leave you unhappy. What Christ asked for is to give all of yourself and then he will refill you. He will recreate you uh, in his image using your own unique gifts and abilities. Jesus says you must die to yourself. You must find and carry your own cross. Giving up your own self, giving up your own stuff giving up your own selfish desires for unselfish desires, for godly desires, finding our purpose for which we are willing to give it all. And here's where I think there's a little nuance with that. We all know that God has made us unique and different, different kinds of personalities, different things that we like, different things that we enjoy, different things that we're good at. Can we match the things that are our desires, our purposes, our passions, things that we like to do, the good things, with God's purposes? Can God match his purposes to ours so that we can be excited about the things that we're doing for God, that we're called to do for God? I've seen some of you and many of you um, uh, live out some of your purposes and live out some of your passions uh, for God here at ZPC. For many of you, You volunteer in our children and our youth ministries. Many of you lead home groups. And by that, you're finding some of your purpose by serving others. Many of you have a passion for helping the kingdom of God, which we'll be talking more about, to come to Indianapolis and come to this area. So you work in ministries. I see you. You work in ministries that help to build homes for people who need homes. You provide food, education. You help the homeless as you sign up to help at IHN. You help, to find, help orphans to find foster homes or even permanent homes here in our area. Some of you here at ZPC, you have a heart for the church around the world, and you get very excited about that. Places like Romania, Brazil, Mexico, Malawi, Uganda, or Spain. 
And when you talk about it, when you go to those places, you get excited about it. Your eyes light up and you talk about the people there like they're your extended family because you've met them and you get to know them and you love them. And, and that's good. You're matching part of your purpose, your desire, your passion with what God's passions are. When we choose Christ, we're co- called to go all in with passion and purpose to die to self in order to love God and to love others. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ. And what does it look like to be an ambassador? What does it look like to be an ambassador? Well, William Barclay, who's a Bible commentator, said there are three things that ambassadors can be. These are ambassadors, literal ambassadors in other countries or ambassadors for Christ. First, he says... An ambassador is a Christian or a person in a foreign land. You speak a different language. You have different traditions. You have a different way of life. So as Christians, we don't quite belong in the world. We're called to be different than the world. We're called to look different than the world, to have different ways of life. I think a lot of this is what we said already. It's bringing joy and peace and unselfishness and grace to places that are graceless in places that our world needs it. Number two, an ambassador represents his or her own country. Paul says that God is literally making his appeal through us, through our words and actions. We represent God. We represent Christianity through our words and our actions. And third, he says the honor of our country, the honor of our country um, is in our hands as ambassadors for Christ. Paul says that people judge Christ based on Christians. If you've ever traveled in the world, it's embarrassing. Uh, if you know, if you, you've seen that ugly American who, who acts kind of crazy, they act like they're better than everyone else. And, and you hope that that's not you when you travel around the world, that you're not that ugly American. But as Christians, we hope that we represent Christ, that as we learn to, um, to follow him more, to, to be all in, that we look more like him. This is day to day when we go about our work or in our homes with our families, with the the people we meet at the gas station or the restaurant, that we look more like Jesus and then we can represent him. The job of being an ambassador can be scary. I know that sometimes I feel that I'm not worthy and yet I want to be able to to do the job. If If I give it all to God and not myself, then I think I can do the job. God will use my unique qualities and abilities to represent him. Recently at a dinner party, and I don't have this happen very often to me, but there was a a very smart man that I was sitting next to and he challenged me. Basically, he started a conversation where he said over the course of about 20 minutes that he believed very strongly in evolution and science. He did not believe that God created the world. He thought the Bible was just a bunch of stories and contradictions that human beings were nothing special. And this guy was a very intelligent scientist. As, in, as, in, as I talked to him and he talked to me, I realized I could not refute some of the things he said because he was basing so much of it on science. And I wasn't going to change his mind. But as my heart, heart rate went up a little bit, we were kind of in a debate. I also realized that if I calmly spoke for Jesus, if I calmly spoke for the truth of the Bible, that perhaps I could be a representative, I could be an ambassador for Christ, 
and also realizes we're having this conversation, there's at least two other people that aren't really talking, but they're listening in. And I'm, I'm saying, I need to stay calm and just say what I know, say what I believe in Christ. And by doing that, I'm going to do the best I can to represent him in this one situation. And I hope that I did. We're called to be ambassadors, to be servant leaders in our world. And some are called to serve in a more formal way. They are the officers, officers of our church, our deacons and elders, and both Jobs are servant leaders' positions. Elders are called to discern God's will together in this season of ZPC's life. They serve for three years, as the deacons do. Our elders sacrifice time. They make hard decisions. They have lots of meetings. They lead committees. They do all of this as servants of the church. Many a times it's behind the scenes. It's not for uh, public display. They're called to pray and listen to God and then help to serve and lead. And it's a big call, and they do it as servant leaders. Deacons are service-oriented. They're called to serve you, our church, and then our community. Two of the teams that I often see are our hospital team and our bereavement team. The hospital team takes turns calling on people who are hospitalized, who are sick, who need help. Uh, oftentimes, they go and make hospital visits in difficult situations. And I will tell you, sometimes when I make hospital visits, it's not easy. It's a little intimidating. You're going into someone's room when they're very, very ill, and you don't always have the words to say. And so our hospital team does a great job praying for and checking up on our people who are in need, and they're wonderful. They do this as servant leaders. Our bereavement team, when we get a call here at the church to host a funeral, and it's, it's fairly often that we get called to host a funeral of someone who is not a member of the church. Our bereavement team, they come in on the day of the funeral and they set up the gathering space. They make it look nice. They provide food and drink. They are hosts of our church. Our church staff sets up music and provides bulletins, makes sure all the, the lights are on, the sound works and all that. And I'm always very proud to be part of the ZPC family when we host a funeral because we are serving someone in need and our bereavement team as deacons do a wonderful job of stepping into that gap and being ambassadors for Christ in that situation. So being ambassadors can be very difficult. Um, I think it can feel like uh, overwhelming. How can we do this? And one more thing from C.S. Lewis. This is what he said about what do we need to do? He said oftentimes the, the difficult part is the first thing in the morning. And uh, here's what we can do at the first thing in the morning. Here's what he says. He says, all our wishes and hopes for the day rush at us like wild animals. The first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking the other point of view, letting the other larger, stronger, quieter life of Jesus come flowing in, and so on all day. He's saying that in that moment in the morning when you feel like uh, it, it's, it's all about the world and you need to, uh, to think about what's going on in your day is to push back against that, to find a quiet place, a quiet time, to find a few moments and to say, God, I give this day to you. God, today, I'm going to be your ambassador. God, today I'm all in. I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to do my best. I, I know sometimes I'm going to fail, but I want to do my best today to be all in with you. One final example of that. I read a book uh, 
this year called A Grace Disguised by Christian author Jerry Sitzer. It was about grief, and he said, those who want to help someone who are grieving a loss make a choice to enter into someone else's life and be directly affected by it. He tells the story of his close friends, Ron and Julie, who cared for him when he, was, uh, he survived the tragic accident. And in this accident in Jerry Sitzer's life, uh, his mother, his wife, uh, and his daughter all died in a car accident. And he found himself being the father of three young children. His youngest was two years old. So that week after the accident, Ron and Julie came to him and, and they said, what are you going to do with your young son, John, who's two years old when you have to go back to work? And, and he said, I don't know. And Julie said, well, I'll be John's surrogate mother for the long haul. Said, I will be there. I will be there for him and for you. And so over the next several years, she provided childcare for him. She took him to preschool functions, to doctor's appointments when his dad couldn't get there because he had to be at work. She said she was not his mother. She helped him to remember his mother. But she sacrificed so deeply for this little boy until the time he became school age, until he could go to school, that his father said that the boy's happy disposition was the result of this investment that Julie made into his life. In that moment, she was Christ's ambassador for this family in great need. Jesus says we are to die to self, to give our lives to him, to die to our own desires and to follow Jesus' desires, to match our passions and our purposes to Jesus' purpose and to be ambassadors for Christ. Let us pray.